0: If you haven't already, go ahead and turn to the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right in the New Testament. As you're turning there, let's go ahead and pray. Gracious Father, we we want to do your will. And when we don't, God, give us the desire to do that which you command. And God, when we have this desire, we find ourselves wholly incapable of it. So God, we ask that you would give us the desire and the ability through your spirit to do that which you command us to do. God, and as we come to this text, for many of us sitting here, perhaps this is the hundredth time we've read this. Let us be enraptured with the beauty of your Son. Let us never think that we've reached some spiritual height to where these texts grow cold and old, God. If that is our heart, if that is our if that is what we are thinking, let us know that it is a mirror of our own heart, and it is not the text that has grown old and cold, but it is our heart and our desire for you. So God. Use this time to glorify yourself through the preaching of your word. God, open up our eyes and our hearts and our ears to behold your glory. Amen. Many of you know this, and you know this quite well, but I'm rather impulsive. And I just jump into things without the least amount of planning or forethought and the reason I do this, like to start a project and I end up making 20 trips to Menards because I'm going to actually think it through of like, what am I going to need? What am I actually going to do? I'm just like, oh, I'll just tear out this bathroom. It'll be awesome. You know, that'll be great. Yeah, it was fun tearing it apart. Putting it together is a little bit slower in its, its progression. So you're rather impulsive. And the reason I do this is because I think that these immaterial ideas have no bearing on my practical life. I think that these ideas, they're just, they're just abstract. They don't really affect how I, how I move, how I think, how I act. They're just ideas, right? But then you soon find out that these, these immaterial ideas, what do they do? They have consequences on our day-to-day lives. How you think of marriage will have, is a direct link to how you care for and how you love your pride. What you think of work as an abstract idea directly affects your industriousness when nobody else is looking but God and God alone. All these immaterial ideas have an impact on our day-to-day lives. So then you have to ask yourself, does it matter what you think of Christ? Does it matter what you think of Christ? Well, absolutely. Absolutely it matters what you think of Christ because he's far more important. Than what you think about Christ is the most important thoughts you will ever have. More than your children, more than your pride, more than your husband, more than anything else, what you think and who you think and how you think of Christ will determine the rest of your life. Is he fully God? Is he fully man? What is he doing here in this world? Did he actually come? All of those thoughts are the most rumbling around in your mind. Don't push them aside. Wrestle with them. Stew in them. Press through them. And what we'll see here in this text is that Christ is far more than you could have ever, ever imagined. So what is he doing here? So what are, the main idea here is that in our text is that Christ, the eternal word, Christ, the eternal word, has come in the flesh, and he has come in the flesh so that you may have life. That's it. Christ, the eternal word, he has come in the flesh so that you may have life. We're going to look at this in a couple of ways here. One, we're going to see that Christ was with God and he is God. Christ, the Word, was with and is God. Secondly, we're going to be picking it up in verse 9. We're going to be looking at how the Word was just not only is and with God, but he came into the world. The Word came into the world. And not only that, the Word is not just in the world, but he took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's where we're going. This week, I hope you ruminate and dwell on the idea that Christ. Not some Germanic guy, you know, holding a sheep on his shoulders with, you know, blue eyes and blonde hair. No, Christ, the eternal word has come in the flesh so that you might have life. You're not going to find life anywhere else. But in him and him alone. So let's go back to the text here. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't it amazing how God has made our minds? just one little string, one little thread, and it brings up this, this whole tapestry before you. All, all John has to say is, in the beginning, and right away, your mind, students of the Bible, reading the word, read through it this year. You're beginning to see, oh, creation. And what you're gonna see that Christ is the beginning here of a new creation. This, these words here, even though they're narrative, every word is specifically chosen for a reason here. So we have here, in the beginning. Not, not in the beginning of the life of Christ or anything like that. This is the beginning of a new creation. Not, not a restarting and pushing everything else aside, but a new creation that is being placed upon the old. And you are going to see new life come out of the depths of Darkness. As you see in Genesis 1. So in day one, God said, what? God said, let there be light. Well, who do you have here in Christ? Well, there's Christ, the word. In him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. So just as in day one, when the light shines in the darkness. In creation, the light has come forth from God, and it's been shining ever since. That's what you see. So the darkness is always subservient to the light. Here we have in Christ that He is now the light. He is the light that is shining in the darkness. What's the darkness? It's nothing less than the darkness of our own hearts and the darkness of our own souls and nothing reveals, you think you're a good person, right? Fine. But nothing reveals the darkness and depravity of your own heart And have the light of Christ come with his lantern, with his light, with his torch and push back the darkness. You have no idea how deep, how thorough How blacked out it truly is. How dead we really are. Until Christ comes. And his light shines within us. Let me see. So throughout the gospel. What you're going to see here is we're going to be. I think about two years is what we have planned out. Hold on, right? About two years is going to take us to go through the gospel of John. Pausing in Advent, some Psalms, Pentecost Sunday. What you are going to have, you have to fight this. We prayed about it already, but you're going to have to fight this. You're going to be thinking, because you know the text well, you're going to be thinking, I've heard this. I've heard this before, but it is our desire that you will encounter Christ in new ways if we faithfully preach it. That you will encounter Christ in new ways and that you will be brought to trust in him and him alone, perhaps for the first time. But again and again, day after day after day, this is, or even part of a continual walk with Christ. And that's the whole point. You go to the end of the book, he lays it out for you. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The son of God, this is why he's writing it, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life eternal. That's our hope and that's our aim as we are preaching through this gospel of John. So you're going to be heard, you're going to be hearing this again and again and again to believe, 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 believe. Why? Because we're trying to be faithful to the text. We're not being redundant. We're just trying to preach what the text says. And John is bringing you to a place where he's going to push everything aside and you're going to see Christ in a new way. And you have to decide, is this true or is this Not you have been following Christ for 20 years. Congratulations. Encounter Christ in a new way. And this text will show you things. And you will have to decide, is this true or is this not? Do I believe or do I not? Will I continue to walk with Christ? Will I be like so many others who may be welcomed him in? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then later in life you reject him. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. This gospel is going to wreck your spiritual life, ruin you for what you currently have. And you are going to see Christ in a way that you've never seen him before. And then there's our prayer. That you would believe and believe in him alone. So who's this Christ? How was he presented? Well, in the beginning was the, was the word. He's not presented in name, Jesus or Christ, the Messiah. But he's the word. Pulling off this, this theme in Genesis 1. Remember, God said, let there be light. Let there be separation between the waters above and the waters below. Let there, God said, God said, God said, let there be dry land. In Psalm 33, it says, by the, word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. How does this happen? How does all this creation? Well, by the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord. So Christ is this spoken word. And when we think of this, what is happening is Christ is not just this spoken word. But when we speak, it's not just these He's not just this sound that emanates and bounces off the walls. No. When we speak words, what we're actually doing is revealing who we are. We're revealing our own minds. We're revealing our own hearts. So when Christ is is known as the word of God, what is he doing? He's revealing the fullness of God. It's a beautiful way to encapsulate it that John has. He's revealing the fullness of God. So then how do we relate, how how does this Word, how does it relate to God? What does the text say? Look, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. Throughout eternity past, Christ has been separate from God the Father. Co-equal, yes, but separate. And you'll notice here the, the inference. He was was with God. He's not saying there's this great chasm of separation between them. That's not what he's saying. There's a clear distinction. But there's not a great chasm between them. Does that make sense? So from eternity past to eternity forward. The word, Christ, has been with God the Father. Before creation, there he was with God the Father during creation, he was with the Father. God the Father creates through Christ, through the word that is spoken. During that time, while this world was under the law, under the Mosaic law, Christ, the eternal word, was with the Father. This very moment, Christ, the word, is with the Father, bringing all glory to him. Don't, don't press them together. A you, little plug for Sunday school next week. Um, bad theologians go to hell. Okay? Bad theologians, they do. Bad theologians go to hell. The Bible matters. Next week, Sunday school, Joel's going to be walking us through this. Why does this stuff matter for our souls? Okay, so it was not only with God, not, not greatly separated, there, distinct and separate, but he was always, but he was God. There, yeah. Get it? Does it make sense? You got it? He was with God, but he also, he is God. He was not made by God. He wasn't ascribed to be God. It wasn't that it was, he was living a good life, and then God said, Oh, let's use him. He would be a great example. And then laid a spirit upon him as though he was unknowing of what was really happening. No, he is the fullness of God. So all of these attributes of God are there fully and present in Christ. The holiness, the all-knowing of God, the all-powerful, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the wrath of God, the wisdom of God, the truthfulness of God are all there. And they're all there in Christ. He is with God, and he is God. You see this in another text, right? Thomas is saying, my Lord and my God. Peter writes, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this? All right. What do we do with this when we encounter Christ and we can't fully comprehend it? One, understand that because it's not, uh, his fullness is not comprehensible. Don't take that to mean he is unknowable. You understand the distinction here? You may not comprehend the fullness of God, which is what you want. You really want a God you can fully understand? No, we call it an idol. So yeah, you will have a God that you may not be able to fully comprehend, but don't think, don't, don't be a critic and just push it aside and think, because I can't understand it, therefore it, must, it can't be true. Either he was with God or he is God. It can't be both because I can't understand it. Don't be that critic. No, but it'll allow it to draw you into deeper and more glorious worship. That's the purpose of this book that you will encounter Christ again in new ways. All right. So we see this opening of the book, and what John is painting is that we have a new creation starting. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We have a new creation happening in the midst of our own old world. And this word of life, this word is life, and this life was the light of men that shines in the darkness. So now John will go on here in verse nine and tell us a little bit more about this light. Go on to verse nine. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. How were they born? How are they children of God? They are born of God. What you see here is not some ethereal God floating out there. There's not a, a power out there, loo- loosely watching over his creation. That's not what you see at all. He's the creator of all things, yet he enters into his creation. He doesn't just stand at the mouth of the cave and just shine his light in. No, as, as the light, as the true light, which gives light to everyone, he enters into the cave, in the, the midst of the darkness, do you see this, how glorious this is? He climbs into the darkness of the cave. And so then what's the reaction? His own creation. He enters into his own creation. And without reading, you think, oh, I know how this ends. This is it going to be glorious? It's just going to be, the whole book's going to be like 10 verses. I can read this. Yeah. He enters into his creation. They worship him. They love him. They glorify him. They honor him. But it's, it's, you know that's not the story because you know your own heart. That's why. You don't even have to read on. You can just think, how many times have I seen the light of Christ? How many times have I been convicted of sin? And rather than repenting, I hate the person who called me out. That's how the gospel plays out. You can keep reading, but you have it in your heart. It's the same story going on and on and on. So you see it. Even while he's a baby, feeding upon his mother, kings are out there trying to kill him. What do you do? Well, you heal him out in the temple in John 5. Take up your mat and walk. And what's the response? Well, from this, for this reason, because he healed somebody. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. You shout into the darkness of a tomb, and you shout in, Lazarus, come out. What's the result? Well, from that day on, they planned together how they might kill him. He entered into his world. He entered into his own creation. And they rejected him. They did not love him. They did not honor him. They did not worship him at all. And I think because we're born into this sin, we don't realize the the depths of our own depravity and how eager we are and how willing we might be to reject Christ at every turn. Think of your past week. How unfaithful we can be to follow Christ, rejecting Him. I'm not naive. Some of you are right now are rejecting Him with your whole life. And you hear about this glorious Christ who has come to save His people, and yet you still reject Him. It's not just you, it's all of creation. That might be the case, but just know there are people praying for you in this room right now that you might believe and that you might have life eternal. But to all who did receive him, some do, okay. Look in verse 12 here. But to all who did receive him. Who, what does it mean to receive him? Okay, well it means to believe in his name. That is to have faith in, to have trust in Christ, in him exclusively. No one else. Just like when you're getting married, you're not only saying yes to this bride or this husband. But you're actually saying no to everyone else. So to believe in Christ is to trust in him, have faith in him exclusively. Not placing him up amongst many other gods, but to have him and him exclusively. What's the result here? To one who received him, that is to believe in his name. Okay, let me tell you what that means. That means to believe in his name. The result is that you become children of God. How does this happen? Okay, the children of God, we were born. How? Not of blood. Is this something I can manufacture? No. No. Not at all. It's not of blood. It doesn't, children listening here. It doesn't matter about your parents' faith when you're going to be the one standing before God. It's not of your own blood. Praise God you have faithful parents who bring you to church. Even though you might not want to come. But don't look to the faith of your parents when God will be facing you head on it's, it's not that Jewish people it's not of your blood why you believe it's not of the will of the flesh it's not your own strength you can't conjure it up you can't make it happen No of your own desires because you're not going to choose Christ you're not going to desire Christ so it's not of your lineage it's not of your own strength it's not of your own will and of your own desires how does it happen How does it happen? This is a glorious thing. How does it happen then, John? Tell me. By God. And God alone. So don't look to anyone else. Don't judge yourself compared to other people. And don't even look at yourself and look in your past and go, Well, this is too wretchedly sinful. God would never forgive me. Or don't look at your own mourning here this morning and go, I'm so wretchedly sinful. God will never forgive me. No, it doesn't matter. You're not the one saving yourself. So get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about God saving his own children. That's a glorious thing. So you're free from your past life. There might be temporal consequences in how it plays out here in this world. But you're free in the eyes of God. You're free of your past life when you come and you believe in him. That is, when you receive him. Okay, so this eternal Christ, that was, he was with God and he is God. He has entered into his creation and he is the life and light of men who has come into his world. And like everybody else... The world rejected him, except for some who have received him. That is, they believe in him. How do they do it? Well, not of their own strength, not of their own lineage, not of their own desires, but of God. Do you see? God is the creator. We don't create. God is the creator. In this new creation that I'm going to show you, John is saying, God is still the creator. In this new life that you have, God is the one who is creating it, bringing it about and he will see it through until completion. So now we're going to see that this word has come into the world. But not only in the world. He, is, he has taken on flesh. Let's go, the, let's go look at the text here. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. The whole birth narrative that you have in Luke and Matthew. Just right there in these, in these words. And the word became flesh. No magi, no manger, no King Herod, no shepherds. Just the word became flesh. Still eternal? Yes, yeah, still eternal. In the flesh? Absolutely in the flesh. So It did more than enter into his world. He took, the, he took the fallenness of our own self upon him. He was born under the law that he might redeem those under the law. And he's like us. And our weaknesses. He's like us in every aspect yet without sin. So the man, man, all of humanity can become a son of God. Because the son of God has become man. Man. Man might become the son of God because the son of God has become man. And here we have the wedding together of the the infinite and the finite. We have the eternal word has become flesh. And what does he do? He doesn't isolate himself. He dwells among us. He tabernacles among us. The fullness of the glory of God that was present in the tabernacle, in the temple... The Shekinah glory is now present in Christ. And the tabernacles that was once covered with curtains is now covered in flesh. And the tabernacle that was a place of the sacrifice, the body of Christ, is now truly again the truest place of sacrifice. No eye has seen and no ear has heard anything as glorious as this. That the eternal God has come into his own creation. And he's become a part of his creation by taking on flesh. So that you might receive grace upon grace. Okay, so if this is true, how does this change our lives? If this is true, it must And it will change our lives. Why does it matter that Christ is eternal? Why does it matter? Why does it matter that Christ is eternal? Does it change your faith? Does it change your hope? Does it change your life? Absolutely. You place your hope in a bottle or Xanax. You have temporal relief. You place your hope... In that which is eternal. And your hope is eternal. In the whole world that is fleeting... And fake and we know it and we despise it because of it. We have an eternal hope because we have an eternal Christ. When the object of your love is eternal... Well, then your love is eternal. And when the, when the fount of life for you is eternal, you know that your life will be eternal. Take this flesh, do whatever with it, what you want. Go ahead, I know my life is eternal because my Savior is eternal. So we worship Christ, the eternal Son of God, and place all of our hope in Him. Number two, what do we do You follow Christ into the darkness. Follow Christ into the darkness. The word was in the world. The word was in the flesh. And the word is the life that shines in the darkness. And we mentioned earlier, Christ isn't just standing at the mouth of the cave. He's entering into the depths and the depravity of the world around him. Let me ask you, when's the last time you climbed into a social gutter for the sake of Christ? When's the last time we entered into the darkness for the sake of Christ? We want to isolate. We must engage. The world's not going to come to us. We must engage them. We must pierce them with the light. light. And we know that the darkness will flee when the light of Christ comes. The light will never be subdued by the darkness. It'll never happen. The light of Christ will always shine. So plunge yourself into the darkness. Throw yourself into the darkness that the light of Christ Might shine as Christ himself has thrown himself into the darkness of our own hearts. Brothers and sisters, place all of your hope and trust in this eternal Christ. And follow him into the darkness. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we let our hearts be enraptured with that which we cannot fully comprehend. The glimmer that we see now, God, will grow throughout all of eternity as you continue to reveal yourself to us, God. As we come to the table and partake of communion, God, we ask that you would be with us and guide us. Prepare our hearts to worship in communion. Let us glorify your Son that he has come is light into the world and light into the darkness of our hearts amen amen